Hi, good afternoon. Welcome to the marketplace. Coming up, inflation hits 42.2% in May, up a percentage point from April, with food and non-alcoholic beverages being the main drivers. Non-alcoholic beverages, housing, water, electricity and gas, and transport almost contributed three quarters to the overall inflation, with food and non-alcoholic beverages contributing more than 50% to the rate of inflation that was recorded in May 2023. Specifically, food, food and non-alcoholic beverages contributed 52.4% to the overall inflation recorded in the month of May 2023. Coming up, Finance Minister Kenneth Weata to answer 10 questions in Parliament, including how much government has spent on free SHS and how much it owes SNIT. And Bank of Ghana warns public against doing business with some unlicensed entities that are engaged in provision of loans through mobile applications. My name is Daryl Kwa. Thanks for being with us. Details coming up. Thanks for staying with us. We begin with some news on inflation. And year-on-year inflation for May 2023 has increased to 42.2% from 41.2% recorded in April this year. According to the Ghana Statistical Service, the increase was driven by food and non-alcoholic beverages, which contributed 52.4% to overall inflation. The government statistician, Professor Samuel Kobneni, made the announcement in Kumasi, near Shanti region. Social protection 53.4% and food and non-alcoholic beverages 51.8%. All four divisions recorded rates of inflation higher than the national rate of inflation. On a month-on-month basis, keeping in mind that the national month-on-month rate of inflation was 4.8 for the month of May 2023, we again identified five divisions that recorded rates of inflation higher than the national average. This was led by personal care, social protection, and miscellaneous items that recorded the highest divisional month-on-month inflation of 7.0%. We turn away from the levels of inflation and from the 13 divisions point of view, identify the divisions that are contributing the most to the rate of inflation that was recorded for the month of May 2023. Across the 13 divisions, top three items, namely food and non-alcoholic beverages, housing, water, electricity, and gas, and transport almost contributed three quarters to the overall inflation, with food and non-alcoholic beverages contributing more than 50% to the rate of inflation that was recorded in May 2023. Specifically, food food and non-alcoholic beverages contributed 52.4% to the overall inflation recorded in the month of May 2023. This was distantly followed by housing, water, electricity and gas that contributed 13.1% and closely followed by transport contributing 9.2% to the overall inflation that was recorded in the month of May 2023. The division that contributed the lowest to inflation in May 2023 was insurance and financial services that contributed 0.1% to the overall inflation for May 2023. We turn to the food inflation given its dominance in terms of its contribution to the overall inflation. It will be recalled that food inflation contributes 
the weight of food inflation is 43.7% to the overall rate of inflation. So we look at the trends in the levels of rate of inflation and the, shares in, and the share of food inflation to the overall inflation. Since January 2022, it peaked in, in January 2023 with a rate of inflation of 61.0%. This is more than three times the rate of, infl the rate of food inflation which was, which was recorded in January 2022. Government statistician Professor Samuel Komenim addressing the media in Kumase, while senior finance lecturer at the University of Cape Coast, uh, Sarah Mkawa, has joined us on Zoom. Uh, good afternoon to you. What's your reaction to uh, these latest figures. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, the latest figures just um, gave us the information that there is a lot for us to do in order to curb inflation. And as it has come out, food and non-alcoholic beverages have resulted into the highest rate of inflation in the month of May. Are contributing over 42% or 43% to the national inflation figures that we get. That tells us that we have not been able to look at the issues of food production to be self-sufficient in our country. Uh, when you look at the non-alcoholic beverages, just recently Parliament has passed a law that has imposed some tax on non-alcoholic beverages that we have in the country. That might, one way or the other, accounted for this inflation that we see. Mm. We have seen a surge in the uh, utility bills over time. These utility bills that we have seen over time might have also contributed to the rate of inflation that we have in the um, sectors of transportation, uh, electricity, and water. And so uh, there is a marginal increase in inflation and that is a bit worrying, and we need to go back and work on it. Uh, what should we read into this? What does it say about government's quest to tame inflation, especially when uh, there was a, a lot of uh, optimism with the coming in of the IMF bailout cash? Yes, so, yes, that optimism that we have in the coming of the IMF cash in itself will not directly... Uh, uh, automatically result into inflation coming down. We need to consciously put in efforts, serious efforts, to ensure that we grow and produce the locally consumed products that we have in the country. There should be policies that are targeted to the agricultural sector to make sure that we produce more food. And once we produce more in the country, and then the buffer stock is able to store more food. We'll have these things coming down. The prices of our staple foods today, Gary, uh, rice, you can talk about maize, have become more than 100% on the market today because most of them are scarce. People go outside the country and bring these things down. And so the prices are going up. It is high time government comes out with policies that are deliberately targeted towards these areas so that the prices of the products will come down. If we are just doing word of math as we do, oh, things will come, no, they don't happen like that. Countries that are able to tame inflation have deliberately put up policies that will work. And for us, those things are not manifesting. We have conferences, workshops, and we talk about issues, but on the ground, 
If these things are not happening, we will still be in the situation that we are today. Mm. Do you think that there is a real uh, potential threat of inflation uh, continuing to rise, or this is just one of those months? You, you see, um, we, we were expecting that the rate of inflation would have come down, looking at the trend that we have seen over time. Then all of a sudden we have seen increases in prices of um, the utilities that we have. And that's uh, from a huge chunk of the production of the companies that are operating. And hence they will transfer these prices to the ordinary consumer. We have seen increases in taxes for some of the companies, some taxes will have to put to be pushed to the consumer. And so there is a threat that if we do not take deliberate steps in terms of policies, in terms of education, in terms of pricing and how we put our product out, the rate of inflation will continue to go up. Because once these things go up, Nobody informs the business person the rate at which they should increase the prices of their commodities on the market. And hence, everybody does his or her own thing on the market. If you are not able to buy, you go away. And that is what is affecting us. So we need policies, deliberate policies from the Ministry of Trade, from the Finance Ministry, on how some of these things could be done from time to time. Otherwise, the rate of inflation will continue to go high. Uh, 42% is extremely high. When countries have 10% and they are crying and we are in 42, it is not good for investor confidence in our economy. And there is need for us to work hard towards it. I'm pretty sure the government knows what to do. Thank you so much, uh, Seram Kao, Senior Finance Lecturer at the University of Cape Coast. I appreciate your time with us. Now, after several months, Finance Minister Ken Ofriata is expected to answer some 10 questions which have uh, suffered repeated postponements. The questions cover government indebtedness and expenditure. Eight of the 10 questions stand in the name of NDC's MP, NDC MPs, including former minority leader Harry Naidrisu, and two in the name of MPP MPs. Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kweku Santi joins us uh, with more of this. Good afternoon to you, Kweku. So, government's indebtedness and expenditure, these are very important questions, especially under an IMF program. What specifically are the MPs seeking answers to? So, some of these questions are questions that have, that have been on Parliament's papers for a very long time. For a number of them, they have been postponed several times and the NDC minority MPs have had cause to complain about why Finance Minister Ken Fuyata has not been showing up to answer these questions. The expectation is that he will answer them today, although it is just past 1 p.m. and he has not arrived in the House. The House is currently considering the guest fund allocation formula. It is expected that after which the Minister will come in to respond to these questions. But the urgent question stands in the name of Harry Edwish, the former minority leader who is asking about government's indebtedness to SNET. We know that over the last few years, because government has been struggling in terms of its economy, they have been in debt to the Social Security and National Insurance Trust. So how do I want to find out how much exactly government owes SNET and how SNET is surviving? Is SNET able to pay um, pensioners every month? That is one of the questions coming up. Clement Apart is also seeking to find out how much government has been spending on the free senior high school program since 2017. He contends that 
The numbers that have been given by the finance minister in the media budget review of two years ago, and some numbers that have been given by the education minister in parliament are variants with each other, and so there must be some kind of correlation. He wants to find out that. There's also questions about um, the, the coastal communities in the Volta region. We know that a tidal wave swept through that communities in some few months ago. The finance minister came to parliament and promised that there were about 10 million Ghana cities to finance the Blekusu coastal development project. They want to find out exactly what the state is. And mind you, in all the banks that collapsed, there are questions about what is happening to the directors. Are they being prosecuted? Have they been banned from taking up other offices in other banks? Mm. So these are all vexed questions that the minister expected to have when it becomes around. I think I missed it. Did you say the finance minister is yet to arrive? He's not there? Yes, it's 1.14 p.m. Finance minister of is not here. Ordinarily, the, the questions having to do with the minister would have been dealt with first. But because he has not, he is not around. The house has kept to consider other business. They are currently considering the guest fund allocation formula, and then we will know whether the minister can answer these questions or not. Mind you, the background is that these questions have appeared on the other paper for a number of weeks, and okay. so if the minister can't come around today, he has to be rescheduled again. I want to know why the minister will not be here today, for instance. Well, the minister himself has faced uh, repeated calls from his own party to resign. Uh, the president promised that that will be dealt with after an IMF deal is secured. Are the MPs still pursuing this agenda? Right. It is still on the minds of some of these NPP MPs. Some of them that have been speaking of the record say that they are still expecting the president to act. We put that question to the majority leader who says that the entire caucus will have to meet and take a decision on this matter as to whether or not Kenfriata must go. This is something we have to decide. But he's also insisting that sometimes you have to let sleeping dogs lie. As in sometimes you just don't have to push certain calls for a long time. And so these are all decisions that the entire caucus will have to come around and take. And so now that the IMF deal has been complete and has been, has been, has been signed and the budget has also been presented. The, the benchmark the president said has all now been met, and the expectation is that he will act. But if he doesn't act, then the entire majority of NDP and peace will have to take a collective decision as to whether or not the minister must go, or some kind of decision will be taken on this. All right, uh, we'll keep following. Kuku Asante, parliamentary correspondent, appreciate the update from parliament. Now, the Bank of Ghana has warned the public against doing any form of transactions with some 97 unlicensed entities that are engaged in the provision of loans through mobile applications. Now, the Bank of Ghana has also cautioned the operators of such platforms to desist from the acts of face prosecution after investigations. In a statement, the central bank reiterated that the activities of the 97 entities significantly breach customer data and privacy laws as well as consumer protection requirements and norms with unfavorable implications on the integrity and well-being of their patrons. The central bank assured that it will continue to take action against the entities in collaboration with relevant state institutions to promote the integrity of financial service delivery. It therefore advised the general public to desist from doing business with all unlicensed loan providers. And uh, you can visit myjournaline.com to take a look at the list of 97 unlicensed entities that are engaged in the provision of loans to mobile applications.
All right, in other news, the Ghana Chamber of Automobile Dealership Ghana and the Ghana Union of Traders Association are lamenting what they say is incessant pestering by officials of the Customs Division of the Ghana Revenue Authority. They say the exhaustive scrutiny and unfair checks they are subjected to at the ports and regional checkpoints are causing unnecessary delay, negatively impacting business operations. Many are losing over mi- so many millions of CDs as a result. There's more in this report. The Chamber of Automobile Dealership Ghana says the lengthy and cumbersome inspection they are subjected to is due to the mistrust of the customs division. This, they allege, has collapsed businesses and led to additional cost in business operations. The concerns were raised at a stakeholder meeting between the Chamber, Guta and the Customs Division of the Ghana Revenue Authority. John Dumenu is Executive Secretary of the Chamber of Automobile Dealership Ghana. You know, you know that any impediment or delay, for example, most often at times, we have customers that are waiting for the goods that we went to Tema and to cut for, to our various uh, warehouses. So in a likely event, somebody, your client is waiting for you and there's delay, that client will not have that interest to buy the goods. So when you bring the goods, it becomes useless and you know that it brings additional cost. Executive Secretary of the Ashanti Business Owners Association, Charles Kusi Apiakubi, says the government's policies for businesses have been counterproductive. He observes the business community is losing the opportunity to employ. Now we understand part of IMF policy, government is not supposed to employ. We have a lot of graduates coming out from schools. The expectations, the aspirations is one day they will be employed. Government that probably could have been the first employer says, I cannot employ. The next option is the business people. And your policies have collapsed our businesses. So how do we employ our young guys? How are we going to do that? That's why we see our request. Our advocacy have not been inward looking. It's about the holistic development of this economy. And the support to that young person whose dream is one day he can also impart his knowledge in building this country. Deputy Commissioner of Operations at the Customs Division, Bafua Yao Asare Anani, says thorough interceptions of goods at the ports cannot be relaxed as it is often intelligence led. However, he has assured his officials will discontinue inconveniencing traders at the port. Of course, we try to minimize the inconveniences as much as possible. If it is necessary that we do the examinations at the premises of the importer to these things for them, we will do that. But like I said, we cannot give an assurance that we will stop interceptions because they are mostly intelligence-led. Results from um, the revenues that we've collected in Kumasi here underscores the reason why we cannot stop those interceptions because invariably every container that we have intercepted, we have found unpaid duties and we have collected those duties and imposed penalties. For Joy Business, Munaliza Frimpon reporting. Meantime, the Customs Division of the Ghana Revenue Authority has confiscated a container load of goods whose owners are suspected to have evaded payment of custom duties. Initial examination of the truck revealed one unentered vehicle and five motorbikes. The goods have been detained pending further investigations. There's more in this report by Clinton Yabwa. 
The illegal act of intentionally avoiding paying taxes and dishonesty in tax obligation to the state are deemed a severe issue in Ghana. Tax evasion includes making false declaration on tax returns and misrepresentation of trading's records. Others include misrepresentation of books of account, thus declaring less income, profits or gains than the amount earned or overstating deductions. In Ghana, tax evasion undermines the government's ability to collect revenue and fund essential public services and infrastructure development. It also hampers economic growth and development. The Ghana Revenue Authority on Friday, June 13th, confiscated a container of goods around Adiemra in Kumasi. Kwame Ajiman Bedu, the preventive officer in charge of the Ashanti Regional Custom Division, revealed the perpetrators, if found guilty, will pay a 300% penalty for duty. We had an intel on Friday that there was a container around Adiemra Kumasi and crews were being discharged, but the suspicion was that the duties have not been paid on the goods. So when I had information, I informed my sector commander in the person of Mrs. Vivian Glover. So she gave me the go-ahead to mobilize men to go to the scene. Uh, quickly, we did that. Our officers moved to the scene. And lo and behold, they found a container loaded on a truck. So they told the people to bring the container into our yard, which they complied. Uh, upon examination, we realized there was unmanifested, unentered vehicle and five motorbikes, which were also not unentered. So we quickly informed the sector commander, who gave instructions that the goose should be detained pending further investigations. Some importers have raised concerns about vicious processes at the customs. Assistant Commissioner and the Sector Commander of Commerce Collection, Vivian Glover, said the exercise forms part of an intensified operation. We are partners in the development of the nation. We are just implementers of policies. We have been mandated to collect revenue and the Importers are our partners. In actual fact, they have to import before we can also get a job to do. So there is no way we can vindicate them or target them for anything. Yeah, if anything, we should encourage them to, I mean, comply, do the right thing, and then be able to import more so that we can also get the required revenue for the nation. Yeah, this is just a, a coincidence. It is not a vindication. Just as we were at the meeting on Thursday, engaging with them, and they were telling us about their concerns, that officers have been harassing them, intercepting their containers. Unfortunately, um, this is just a coincidence to prove that it is not that we deliberately um, harass them. We do it upon intelligence. Reporting for Joy News, Clinton, Yaboa. Well, time to talk tech and Nigeria regulators have ordered Binance to halt its operations in the country, stating that its courting of Nigerian investors to its platform was illegal. Now, lead for Eyes of Africa, Henry Kobler, joins me to discuss this. Uh, good afternoon to you, Henry. Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, is currently facing a lawsuit in the United States and the U.S. after the U.S. Securities and Action Commission filed charges against it on Monday. I want us to begin from there. 
very much time. So, so I mean, this has been forthcoming already. You've been following the whole trend in terms of the crypto space. I mean, um, it's, it's been coming because generally uh, the securities and exchanges really are sort of looking into crypto. Regulators all around the world have been looking into how the operations of some of these um, exchanges and wallets uh, companies basically operate. And so it's sort of been uh, forthcoming for, for my end. I mean, generally we've seen uh, Binance relatively uh, make a lot of expansion, a lot into African countries. I have seen a lot of billboards in Accra. I can tell you for a fact that there, are, there have been a lot of meetups that have been happening in most of the African countries, inclusive of Ghana. And so generally they've been looking at doing a lot of expansion. I mean, generally if you're looking at the exchange platform that relatively has a lot of people uh, using, uh, in general, you realize that Binance Sound is on top. And so them having a bit of charge coming in against them now relatively gives a bit of a standstill in, in the crypto community. And especially in Nigeria, which is one of the biggest com- countries in Africa, which uh, when it comes down to the crypto dealings, um, tops it up relatively, uh, and especially because they've had a very first hand experience in terms of how it's, it's going to be. Um, it's just going to be it's just going to be different. So that's generally what has been happening. Well, give us a bit more detail about uh, what Binance is accused of, and doesn't this give more reason for governments to hold back on legalizing cryptocurrency usage? So the, the charges enormously are much. I mean, they've had to play a lot of roles in uh, some of the cryptocurrency collapses of other exchanges that has been happening. That's the first thing. I mean, generally, they've also been, uh, in terms of securities, and also um, holding most of the assets of people and uh, playing a lot of diggy-daggy in terms of the accounts or KYCs of a lot of customers. That also comes into a lot of play. I mean, if you're looking at the Binance US they have sort of um, a lot of regulations that comes in close for um, U.S. communities. But generally, Binance is sort of everywhere, especially when you have to deal with crypto. And so they're sort of looking at how people sort of are moving money, money laundering, um, accusations coming in all in one for, for Binance. And okay. So generally, you're looking at it as if it's going to be in one country as, as U.S. Um, regulators in African countries are also going to look at same and, and position themselves to also try and prevent their customers or their, their citizens from being indulged in uh, activities which could lead to fraud or money laundering issues. All right. We have 30 seconds. I know some Ghanaians who have Binance accounts. What does this mean for uh, investors? I mean, generally, we're, we're going to see a lot of downtrends when it comes down to crypto assets. You're going to have to hang on. Uh, for the people that sort of do a lot of trading, they're going to be on the, on the deficit side. The people that also sort of hold assets for a long period, they're going to sort of do some value on, on their crypto assets. But the point is this. Crypto is still starting. You can't necessarily know the trends which come in. Regulators are going to put some stumbling blocks in there. But for me, I generally think that it's, it's one of the biggest... Uh, technology that's going to take place given the next five years, we're going to have proper regulations coming mm-hmm. in. They're going to uh, then be sued. Generally, it's going to bring in a lot of uh, a lot of books to it, which generally is going to have a lot of shifts and regulation okay. uh, policies which can guide us. So I think that they can hang on in there. Henry Kobler, always a pleasure to speak with you. Lead Eyes of Africa, thank you so for joining us. And that's the marketplace. More news on our website, myjoyonline.com forward slash business. My name is Daryl Kwao. If you can, do join us on radio for Masterclass in 30 seconds. I'll be engaging Edward Asari on digital marketing. Do join us if you can. Goodbye.